0: is the Bad Reputation Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes on your smartphone or tablet. Featuring the most up-to-date reputation management, social media, and entrepreneurial information on the web. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ToddCollinsOfficial. And now, the host of Bad Reputation, the Reputation Rockstar, Todd Collins. In three... Two, one.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Bad Reputation Podcast. Today we're not going to be talking about reputation management. We might touch on some social media stuff, but um, I was introduced to a great guy, um, and it just so happens that he was on a TV show that played in my house endlessly while it was on television. Um, Paradise Hotel, very cool show. If you guys haven't watched it, um, it's pretty much streaming everywhere at this point. Um, You guys can obviously do your own research, but my good friend, Jared Cooksey, is here with us today. Jared, how you doing, brother?
2: Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm doing well, thanks for having me, Todd.
1: Absolutely, man. So um, it's interesting. So a a friend of mine actually worked on the show. They introduced us. Um, You and I have a a, a lot in common from a standpoint of like fitness and fashion and stuff like that, which it's been, it's been, you know, a pleasure to kind of watch you grow on social media since you left the show, because you, you really are kind of, and at least in my opinion, you're kind of showing guys that they can still dress cool without really trying really, really hard. And when I went over to your website, your website was on, what was the website called again? Yeah, it's uh, a right now. Yeah, yeah, fastfitfun. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting site too because it kind of shows you, and it was kind of the voyage that I went on last year was, or two years ago was was getting myself back into shape, and then finding that my clothes didn't fit me anymore, and then kind of like, all right, I need to find my own style again, and I did, and so it's been really fun, especially when you get to a certain weight, you can fit in some some, some pretty cool clothes. Um, so it's a really good mix on that site. If you guys uh, get a chance, check that site out. That's something I wanted to mention in the beginning because I think a lot of you guys out there could, could use, honestly, could use a lot of help from a fashion standpoint. And hands down, you can use a lot of help from a fitness standpoint because that dad bod shit is not cool anymore. No one likes it.
2: Yeah, I think uh, a good body says a lot. You know, you, you work hard, you put in the hours, you're dedicated. Um, so yeah, the whole dad bod thing, when it came around, I was like, yeah, that's going to fade pretty quick
1: and it did there's no question exactly yeah so so let's you know let's talk about you know the the beginnings of you because you know when you go on a show and i got a lot of friends that are that do reality tv my buddy jason's on ink right now um he's my tattoo artist he's going to be doing an episode with us but when you do a show you know you only see one aspect of a person you don't especially when it's a reality tv show and you don't see like the real person. So I wanted to kind of like, I, and I know a lot of your fans, they follow you on social media, but they they don't really know a lot about you. So I, I really want to kind of go back, you know, where are you from? How, you know, what were you into? Where'd you go to school, this, that, everything else? Let's talk about that first and then we'll jump into the other stuff, the nitty gritty stuff that the uh, fans want to hear.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as far as school goes, I graduated from Ball State back in 2015 kind of how I got into all of this was are you the one from MTV actually had a girl message me kind of like recruited me into the uh, interview process and it kind of just got its hooks in me and I was like this is kind of a really great avenue and I saw how social media was growing and you know you got to view it as a good foundational jump if you get on one of these shows that you can, you know, get a good base following and launch something of your own. So I was working on, you know, doing these shows, doing interviews, flying out to LA, um, you know, interviewing for Big Brother, um, Temptation Island, all these shows. And that's kind of how I got into this and finally nailed down, uh, Paradise Hotel.
1: Now, you got to meet Kristen Cavallari, right?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, she's a sweetheart,
1: dude. She since the hills and my significant other knows this she she's she's a huge crush man she's beautiful and she's super cool from what i understand
2: yeah um i had a couple chances to actually talk with her um for those of you who saw the episode that i got voted out on i had to pull a couple out of the house um and it was really a shitty situation um because i'd been in the house for literally two days and they were like, "Hey, you're basically taking two hundred fifty thousand dollars a chance at two hundred fifty k away from a couple." And I'm looking like, "What the fuck do I have to do with this?" I don't have any animosity towards these people. No one screwed me over that I had, you know, known about in the house. And when we kind of cut, and I'm standing next to Kristen, she pulled me aside and she was like, "Hey, Jared, you know, how do you, how are you feeling? How are you doing with this?" And I looked at her and I was like. Can I, is this like off camera? Like, can I be honest? And she was like, oh yeah, tell like talk to me. And I was like, I think this is fucking bullshit um, to, to just have to make this decision essentially blindly. Um, I wasn't too happy with it. it. It took me a while to get down to who I was going to take out of the house. Um, realistically, if they gave me the choice to take someone out or not do it, I would have 100% have not pulled anybody of the house. Um, Cause I truly didn't feel like it was my right to. Um, but when Kristen pulled me aside and talked to me and and kind of ran me through how I was feeling and, and let me know that, you know, she understands and it does suck. Um, I kind of saw a side of her that wasn't just, you know, light camera action. It, she was being a person to me, you know, with all the fame, all the money that she has. Um, you know, she took time out of her day when she really didn't have to and and kind of talked to me. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then after the finale, man, she was awesome. She stuck around. She specifically asked everybody to come in for a giant group photo. Um, you know, she, she could have cut and run as soon as the cameras were off after the finale. Um, but she stuck around. You know, she took individuals, individual pictures with us. She hung out. She talked to us. Um, and a lot of people didn't see that side. Uh, so it was really cool to, you know, see that she she was just a down-to-earth, genuine person.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's to me is, is one of the biggest things because a lot of the times when you see, when you meet these celebrities, and, you know, I've met quite a few, it's, you think they're going to be one way and they're, and, and they're actually just like you and I. Like I, I, had, I had a lunch with um, last year with Jeremy Piven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, what you expe- You're expecting Ari, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> because that's a character that he plays on a show and then yeah, when you him, you're like oh dude this guy is awesome like he's just a normal guy you know dude
2: you know
1: but you're not but you never expect that because of what you see typically you know what i mean
2: yeah yeah you, you typically see their them like almost blowing up on people or, or brushing them off and you know yeah, you know, the tabloids love to jump on these guys when they're having a bad day and a fan's a bit too much in their face and they tell them to kind of piss off um that's the kind of side that blows up not the you know genuine side where they 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 take time out of the day take a picture with you or or just talk or sit down at a lunch and they're they're a real person
1: yeah absolutely and and you know to me every single time that the episode was playing in the background um for me at least, and, and and I did watch it. I mean, yeah, there's like, no question about it. No, I, I watched, watched it. It, it was you know, there and I mean,
2: mean I heard it, but you know, I wasn't watching it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and, hey, look, admittedly, I got sucked in. I did get yeah. sucked in and then it like it as it progressed, I was I started kind of like I could see the click, right? I could see the like you and I were talking about this at one point where you could see the click forming in the very beginning, and then anybody that came in from the outside, that's when there were going to be these serious issues. You could see these serious issues kind of start to happen, and it was almost like you guys had. It was a. It was the people that were there first, obviously, had an unfair advantage, right? I mean, there's no question about it.
0: Oh,
2: no question. It was it was heavily weighted to favor the people that were what we call the originals in the house. You know, your your Bobby Ray Tatum, um, Tyler, David, Kendall. They were all first there, so you know the first thing that you think if if you're them. Anybody that comes in, it's just a revolving door. They're they're gonna come in and and, and right back out. Um, you know why why would they not sit there and say, hey, let's just all of us make it to the end and have each other's backs. Um, obviously, they all they all created a the connections first, and they were kind of steadfast. They made promises. No one wanted to play a snaky game uh, outside of Carlos and Tatum. Um, so the, the advantage was absolutely uh, favoring the people that went into the house first, uh, for sure.
1: Did you figure, like, I mean, when they were like, hey, look, we want you to come on. At that point, you knew you weren't going to be one of the originals. So in your head, you had to already know, like, oh, dude, my, my opportunity here is, uh, it's, it's not going to be as good as the guys that were here, obviously, in the beginning. But, I mean, did you go on with that attitude or did you go on like, dude, I'm going to win this thing?
2: so it was kind of a mix of both but to be honest um what people don't know and you know i don't know what i'm allowed to say but i I will say that i was not just at home hanging out on my couch and got picked up and put into the house there was a time where i was simply living in a hotel room uh, for a long period of time Uh, no tv laptop cell phone just kind of hanging out in a hotel room and that's when they kind of I got a phone call on, on my line in the room and one of the producers was like, hey, Jared, you're going on. Um, so during that time where I was just sitting in hotel rooms, I, I'm, I'm not one to mentally break. I'm pretty steadfast in my mentality. Um, it, this this time in a hotel room broke me kind of as, as just as an individual. My mentality was so shot. Um, Just out of pure boredom and understanding that, man, there's people in a house living, having fun, and I'm sitting here kind of just waiting. And I didn't even know what I was waiting for. Um, So I went in and I was kind of just over it, to be honest. There is a part of me that just was like, I should have just quit. Um, Looking back on it now, I would have probably passed on the opportunity to do the show knowing the situation that I was going to be put in. Um, the belief on my end and what was kind of conveyed to me was you know, you're going to be on the show, you're going to be starting episode one and then you're going to have to be able to do these challenges and, and, and you know, work with people or work against people. And when that wasn't the case, it kind of was a little devastating to be honest that I'm not getting the exposure, I'm not getting the opportunity or having the fun that they were having. Um, So, but when I went in, you know, I wasn't just totally giving up. um, But I definitely wasn't able to be myself due to kind of just the mental breakdown that I had. Um, But I still, I still tried to strategize. I tried to talk sense into Caitlin to roll with me instead of Carlos. Um, What they don't show uh, during my episode of Elimination is I'm, I'm talking to Caitlin with Carlos right next to us. Um, and I'm saying, hey, he, he, you know somebody is going out and they're taking a couple with them. What people don't know that it was Carlos and Bobby did not like each other. They were not friends. they avoided each other. they didn't really communicate. So I told Caitlin, I was like, listen, Carlos is playing a dirty game. He's gonna hurt you in the end. If you vote him out or if you pick me and Carlos goes out, he's pulling Bobby and Tatum. It's solving a lot of issues. One, Tatum and Caitlin hated each other. There was no secret with that. So she gets her mortal enemy out of the house. Bobby Ray was probably one of the strongest guys in the house. He was gone. Carlos, the second strongest guy out of the house. With that breaks every alliance up that was in tune. So you have Bobby and Tyler and then Jair and Carlos. You take out Bobby and um, Carlos, Every, every couple is kind of on their own little island instead of having these these kind of super teams separated. That's what they didn't show on, on TV and I, I couldn't understand why. You know, the producers cut and edited it very weirdly. Um, but I tried to strategize to get Caitlin to, to kind of do that. So I did fight, but I definitely wasn't 100% in, in the game, uh, just kind of what I had to go through.
1: Well, two things come out of that, right? So like one, the, the the glitz and glamour of being on reality television, if you guys are thinking about doing it, just understand that there's a lot that goes into it from a standpoint of uh, sacrificing, right? A lot yeah. of the stuff that you're doing in your normal life. So, I mean, if you got... I, I would imagine the average person would not be able to live without their cell phone for three days, and that yeah. would and and TV and entertainment and things of that nature. And I mean, obviously, you had to not be able to see those things or interact with those things to be able to make it correct for the show. Yep. The second part of it that I always notice is that, and even this is even me, like when I shoot, like even if it's just me and my camera guy, or if it's stuff that I've been on before, the editing, like what you think is going to make air is usually not what's gonna make air. It's it's like one of those sitcoms where like somebody's on television and they're super amped to be on TV. And then the next thing you know, like they sit down and they watch the show and it's like 30 seconds of it. Yep. It, it, you know, I mean, so at the end of the day, you know, you know, audience wise, you guys got to think about like, are you willing to sacrifice for that? Because you heard what Jared said, he's like, if you could go back now, you know, it, it may, it, most likely he wouldn't have made that decision to go on the show. But, yeah. I would have liked to have seen you more on like a survivor kind of thing. I think that would have – I think you would have done much, much better on something like that, no question.
2: Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I was really amped about was just the competitions. Like, I am wildly competitive. Like, I will – I've kicked solid metal poles with my foot because I lost in a game of pig before. And you know what? It's not just – you know, it's just I should be able to elevate myself to anybody's game. Like, you could tell me, hey, you're going to go one-on-one with LeBron James. There is no shot in hell that I'm going to win. But in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to give it all. And there there is a damn good chance or there's a damn chance that I can win some way, somehow. If you play the perfect game. Now, I know that's absolutely wild to think about. But that's how competitive I am. Like, I will not expect to lose that game. It's a completely I'm going,
1: audacious claim. Right. And you would lose even with, that, even with that massive amount of self-confidence. Absolutely. But I get it you would go in with a winning attitude and I'm the same exact way, man. I, I it, but, no, I agree with you, man. So you were put in a situation. It was an uncomfortable situation at first you went in, you wanted to do what you wanted to do. You got in there, you did it. Um, after the show, after you came off now, I guess I can mention this. Like you, you, when you got on the show, you had just met your current girlfriend now who's a sweetheart, by the way. Mm-hmm. And you guys i guess had to kind of deal with that but you guys dealt with it in the way because you were, you were like hey look i'm going in to to from an exposure standpoint this is just going to be some fun for me i want to win this thing you weren't going in there like oh i want to get into a relationship with somebody
2: yeah and, and let's be honest there there isn't a relationship that happens on reality tv typically that that lasts a lot of, of them yeah. you know, superficial hookup um, and I personally just, you know, I didn't want to just have that image. Like, Tatum looked pretty bad. You know, yeah. doing, the, doing Bobby and then going to Carla. Like, it, it wasn't a good look. Um, so I went in and, you know, it, 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 it hadn't have been for Taylor. I would have played the game more like David and Kendall did. Kind of just sticking by each other's side, being respectful, because they have a great image coming out of this. So... What I told Taylor was, hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm not going to do anything stupid or that's going to make me look like a jackass. Um, I just want to go in and and kick some ass and win some money. So that's kind of the mentality that I went in with.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great mentality. Yeah. The same mentality you should be using when you're in work, right? I mean, the bottom line. So let's talk about that for a second. So – as everybody that's on reality TV, they also do other things. Let, let's talk about what the hell were you doing before you did this?
2: Yeah, so what I was doing is I was working just in sales, um, you know, kind of just being a people person. Um, I've got a, I, I was working on a few things. I have a, I have a patent pending out right now that is being, you know, uh, kind of presented to manufacturers to pick up. Um, to help the odor in your trash can, you know the scented bags are great, but they're they're not doing anything to keep the odor in. Once you open the top, it, you know, you get that wave of just hot, you know, smelly trash. I, I invented something that, you know, kind of goes on top to make sure the the, the stench stays in the trash. Um, I'm I'm doing the Fast Fit Fun. Um, You know, it's in the early stages, but it's something that, you know, I'm willing to work at and grind in for the next decade or more to get up to my standard where I want to be. You know, YouTube, I'm I'm working to get a YouTube channel called Stop, Chop and Cook, where I'm just kind of goofily, you know, using new kitchen utensils that are kind of cutting edge um, or just new in general. Um, showing how they work, rating them, reviewing them. Um, So I was kind of launching that. And and the point of the show really was, and why I kind of got twisted about my situation was I wanted the exposure. Like anybody that says that they're not doing this for fame or whatever, that's bullshit. Even the production companies understand that with social media, the exposure will come. So I was ready to kind of launch my YouTube and everything with the mindset of I'm going to be first in the house, get a lot of exposure, have 10, 20, 30,000 more followers that I can have a, I have a base with to start you know, these YouTube and, and the blogs. So that's kind of what I'm working on. Now I'm just kind of back to square one working from scratch, which I'm not mad about. I think quick success really isn't earned. So you don't appreciate it. So now I'm kind of just working to build my own foundation. Uh, and I think I'm appreciating the process a little more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because one of the cool things that I think, you know, most people, unless they follow you, which I, I recommend that everybody does. And at the end of the episode, we'll talk about how where you can follow Jared. Um, but I mean, obviously you and I, can, you know, connect I, at this point. Like if it's not every day, it's every other day or something like that. You and I chit chat back and forth. You, you and, and I'm sorry, your girlfriend's name is, is, um, is it Taylor? Taylor, yep. Taylor. You and Taylor travel a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's one thing that I, I love doing and that I think uh, is, is important for everybody to at least try to do. We were just in uh, uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and my God, what a city, man. That that city is just so beautiful. We went to Fenway Park, absolutely iconic, saw the Dodgers kick the shit out of the Red Sox, uh, which sucked, but man, it was a lot of fun, and it's those little things that kind of, you know, that we have like a little jar that we save in to, to be able to go do these things. Um, you know, we were... We did a cruise in February to the Bahamas. Um, so yeah, I like to kind of just be all over the place. I don't like to just sit and stay for too long.
1: Yeah, and and you know what I like is that you, while you travel, because you have this, and that's where I think a lot of people are kind of getting this lost in translation. I don't want to talk about this Paradise Hotel thing the whole time. I want to yeah. talk about I want to talk about you know what interests you. The food thing for you is a big deal. So I see when you're out and you're traveling, the stories are very interesting because. you're you're documenting the travel, but when you go somewhere, dude, your, your main priority is where can I get something to eat and I'm gonna order it and I'm gonna take you through everything that I'm getting to eat, drink, this, that, everything else. And that's what's very interesting to me. So when you went to Boston, it was cool because you were documenting the places that you were going, you were documenting the food that you were eating, you were documenting the drinks that you were tasting. So when people go to that area, they're like, they already, they kind of already know where to go to, to, you know what I mean? To get what, what maybe they saw from that standpoint. So I, I really like that people document their travels, especially when it comes to food, because food is one of the most searched things on any of the social media platforms, it gets the most engagement. And quite honestly, it's, it's something that everybody enjoys to engage with
2: yeah absolutely Um, one thing that I like to do obviously you know I I do the picture of the appetizer the you know main course the wine that I'm drinking I I like to go in and if, if the restaurant just absolutely knocks it out of the park that's when I tag the location because that's me saying hey guys this shit is worth it if you are in Boston go to the barking crab best crab cakes I've ever had in my life and I think I don't think I put that on my story because I was so it was so good that I couldn't pick my phone up. That's how that's how absolutely incredible the food was there. But I like to you know give that that notoriety to the the restaurant or the spot that I'm at if it's if it's absolutely fire then I want people to know about it because I feel like the restaurant has deserved that. So I kind of like to have that advertisement out.
1: Let me ask you a question: What if you don't like the restaurant? What do you do then?
2: you know i uh i kind of give the restaurant the benefit of the doubt you know i just because i don't like the food doesn't mean it's not good i might have just ordered something that you know i didn't care for that doesn't mean no one should go so i'm not gonna trash the 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 restaurant i'm just kind of i'm just not gonna post it and you know a lot of the times these restaurants struggle because people only want to talk about the bad stuff when You know, I think uh, I saw John Tapper say on on his show, um, Bar Rescue, that, hey, if you have a bad meal, tell the restaurant owner, tell the manager, let them fix it before you just go trash them on Yelp, because they might have just had a bad dish come out. But if it's it's just something that I don't like, then I'm just not going to say anything about it, because somebody might think it's the best restaurant in the world because it's their flavor palette, or it's what they like. So that's kind of how I approach it.
1: What do you use to decide where to go to eat when you travel? what's your What's your platform that you trust the most from a standpoint of restaurant reviews?
2: Yeah, so um, really, I, I just kind of on the Apple Maps. I just kind of type in restaurants and, or go to restaurants and hit popular and and kind of pop that up. Um, before I go, I usually do a little research, like you know, top uh, top restaurants restaurants in Boston to see on a quick trip or something like that and then I actually was going up there to visit my uncle Kevin. Um, he had some recommendations which I'm going to obviously take to heart. Um, Taylor had a had her uncle up there as well who told us to go to the Barking Crab. So usually we like to go to cities where we know we have people and they can kind of direct us to go, hey, go here, you know, this is, this is the spot. So I, it's kind of a collective three part it's looking before looking in the city on the maps and then getting recommendation from uh you know friends and family or acquaintances
1: yeah oddly enough apple maps the reviews that you see on apple maps is are actually yelp reviews
2: i did not know that now you
1: know and now does now so does everyone else
2: yeah that's that's incredible that is uh you put that in the in the golden tidbit jar that's a that's a good bit of information
1: yeah, absolutely. And and so what's what's interesting, it's funny that we just started talking about reviews, obviously, because repu- uh, we own a restaurant reputation management company. But regardless of that, it's so funny to me that there's a lot of restaurants out there that say they don't care about the reviews. But at the end of the day, dude, that's how people decide whether or not to go to your restaurant.
2: Yeah, if, that's, you're, if you're rated a
1: 3.5, dude, people are not going to come as much as if you're rated a 4.0. Yeah, a nice I mean.
2: mean that's the restaurant's lifeline. You know, whether it's it's good, good, bad or you think it's indifferent, it matters. You know, no one is just going to just go into a city and not look up where to go. There, you know, hardly anybody just walks around and and pops into the first place that they see because they want to make sure that when they're in the city they are getting the best restaurants and and that's, that comes from reviews.
1: Well, not only that, you're paying a pre, you know, you're pay- when you're in places like Boston or, you know, I was just in San Diego and things like that. You know, when you're inside the city, you're going to pay a premium, right? So the, the, the thing is, is that it's not going to be about how much you charge for the burger. It's going to be about How many people say that this burger is the best burger to eat in this area?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: I find it interesting. You said that Boston had a good crab cake considering we're in Baltimore, and there's no goddamn way there's a crab cake in Boston that's better than a crab cake here.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Leanne, the girl that connected us, um, she raves about the food in in Maryland and Baltimore. I I only had a layover at BWI going going to Boston, the airport, Um, so I didn't get to try anything. So, right
1: well, now, if you come out here, dude, I'll take you to a place. I'm not going to mention their name, but I'll take you, they're a client of mine. I'll take you to a, okay. actually, I'll probably take you to three places and have you try three different crab cakes, and you can tell me which one is the best one.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, so, and I'm absolutely into it right now. The barking crab has the top spot, so I'm always welcome to uh, competitors who want to see if they can knock it out of the out of the number one
1: see i think you should start a part of what you're doing maybe even in your blog i i I personally think that you should start something similar to what the prez is doing with barstool on on his pizza reviews
0: yeah and pick one pick one food because what's your favorite food um
2: I got, you know, top of the list is steakhouses, um, good high-end steakhouses that just knock it out of the park. You know, $60, $70 cuts. I know it's that's not budgetable for most people, but that's really, if I'm gonna treat myself, I'm going to a steakhouse that's, that's kind of high-end.
1: At the end of the day, man, when it comes to steak, and I've always said this, if you're gonna order a steak, then buy a very expensive cut of meat. Don't just buy a steak at, like, an Italian restaurant where you're going to get, like, a super, like, thin, you know, T-bone. Um, if you're going get to get a steak, go to a high-end steakhouse where, one, the service is going to be impeccable, and two, you're getting a super yep. high-end kind of meat. But yeah. it just doesn't happen.
2: I agree. Um, you know, if you, if, you know, and people associate steakhouses with like, you know, your Texas Roadhouse, your Longhorn, and not to knock them, but you know, when you go to a high-end steakhouse, it is one. The cuts are just phenomenal; they're out of this world. The chefs know what they're doing. Um, just the preparation that goes into making a dish in one of those houses is absolutely unbelievable. Um, but it, it comes down to also. The experience, just the overall, you know, the waiters, waitresses, the setup, um, the hospitality goes miles above just your ch- normal chain steakhouse. So that to me, if I'm going out to dinner, it's not just food. It's the entire experience. Yeah,
1: like, absolutely. You know, I agree
0: with
2: you. Am I? Do I feel special? Every high-end steakhouse I've been to, I feel like if they really want me to walk out having the time of my life, having the best experience. And and that, that's what I love most about it.
1: All right, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here with two questions. One, how do you like your steak prepared? Yep. And um, two, best cut. steak you've ever had?
2: Oh, boy. Ouchie. Um, let's go.
1: And the cut. And the cut of the steak, sorry.
2: Cut of the steak. All right, so how I like my steak, and I usually just tell the waiter or waitress have the chef prepare the steak as if he was making it for himself. It's going to be about medium, uh, medium rare to medium, uh, not all the way ever to medium well, but maybe a touch over medium. Um, I'm starting to get more towards medium rare medium. Um, But typically I, that's what I say. I say, Hey, um, have the chef prepare it as if he was going to serve it to himself because they know their cuts. They know they they've, eaten steak before they've cooked it all different ways if they have a preference on how they're going to cook the steak i'm going to have that super personalized steak that's that the chef who cooks steaks all day has made for himself and that's going to be top tier um the oh man the cut that i like i I typically go for the fillet um I, I think it's just so tender and just if, if you can if these high end steakhouses can nail how to cook a fillet or fillet, however you say it, however you wanna say it, I think that that's gonna be your best steak. And the best steakhouse I've ever been to. Man, a couple I got two that come to mind right Name both of them man. Yeah, it's um Kane Prime Steakhouse. Uh they're out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um I was on a bachelor party and we hit that spot up and my God, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then Morton's Steakhouse, we have one here in Indianapolis. Um, I, t- I go there every, for, for my birthday every April. That's kind of the spot that I want to go to for dinner because the first time I had it, I was hooked um, and it was just absolutely phenomenal. The entire experience is, is, is just something that I always look forward to.
1: Yeah, we've been to Morton's before. Morton's is really good. We have a couple Roost Chris Steakhouses around here as well.
2: Yep, and, and I like Roost Chris. We got one. I got one right down the road. It's a great spot. Um, yeah, I just think Kane and Morton's just did it a little bit better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We were out in uh, when we were in Vegas too. Oddly enough, we were in the Hard Rock Cafe and there's a steakhouse in Vegas in the Hard Rock Cafe. And I can't remember the name of it, but... The ambi- it started with an M, but it wasn't Morton's. The ambiance that you, you were talking about is what made it okay that I paid $300 for two people to eat. Yeah. Um, the, the, the guy actually brought out the steak to us before it was cooked.
2: I have which, never had that experience. Which was
1: amazing.
2: Yeah. And showed is-
1: us the steak and then went through how the steak came to the restaurant basically. So where it started from, how it got there. So I could see the steak on this like slab of wood. Yep. And it was it was just so badass, man. And like the guy was just so educated. The server was just so educated in the the process of the steak, the history of the steak. And then when it came out, it, it was just such a cool experience, dude. And that's why, like you said before, man, the steak could have been okay, but that experience of an hour and thirty-five or forty-five minutes that we were there—I yep. mean, dude—I mean, it. it there, no problem paying that. No problem.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. People are going to hear that. You know, and I'll be honest. Most high-end steakhouses, you're going to drop anywhere two to three hundred dollars if you get appetizers, cuts, wine. I'm a big wine guy. Really getting into wine right now. Um, you know, he, me and Taylor usually just split a bottle. You know, you're looking at two, 300 bucks and people are gonna sit there and be like, are you fucking serious three? And it's not, I'm not like, yeah, go do it all the time. But man, if you want to just have a night and you you like red meat and it's your thing, try just your local high-end steakhouse and just be be ready to be blown away and just walk out and be like, wow, that's that's how you you walk out feeling like you're just a millionaire.
1: Well, dude, here's the deal. What better way to spend $300 or $200 than an hour or two with your best friend yep. and unbelievable food?
2: Yeah. I like,
1: mean, I, you know what I mean? Like, very seldom am I going to have anybody be like, oh that's insane. I can't believe it. Dude, it's not like I go out and do that all the time. Trust me, I'm one of the most frugal people you'll ever, you'll ever meet. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to go out and and I don't drink, the food is going to be the top priority. I'm going to bust my ass at the gym the day before uh, and yep. probably the day, the day of and reward myself with a huge slab of protein to shove down my stomach. And I can tell you what, from a fitness standpoint, I don't care what anybody says, right? Because I eat a ton of chicken, ton of yep. grilled chicken. The day after I eat an 8 or 12 ounce filet mignon, the next day in the gym, Dude, I'm a fucking animal.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's that red meat. You know, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know exactly what's in it, but absolutely same. I think I, I prepared a steak in my house, a, a good strip, uh, something a little leaner last night. And today I, I'm ready to go deadlift a thousand pounds.
0: Yeah.
2: I like got to just go do, you know, the kind of brute-ish thing that my yeah, ancestors used to do. Just go kind of wild let the animal out so yeah i absolutely feel that
1: well let's talk about that for a second because kind of we you know we touched on the food which i really love and it's something that i like i love that you share those experiences and the travel that you and taylor are doing and food and and it sounds like she really enjoys that that type of stuff too let's talk about the fitness side of it too because you're a fit guy man i mean there's no question about it you can't take it away how tall are you
2: so i'm i'm six three sometimes six four
1: yeah you're a big dude
2: yeah yeah. No, I'm not small, man. Um, you know, I think I'm 205, 210, but lean with, with muscle. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there there's no reason for me with my stature and or my statue and my build to essentially let it go to waste. Right. I have the raw tools and I just, for me, why not go full potential with it?
1: Talk to me about your schedule from a gym standpoint, what do you, what, what do you do? Like give me like a Monday through a Sunday.
2: Yeah. So Monday through Sunday, um, I think I usually do about a four day split. So I'll hit chest tries, um, a little bit of front shoulder, uh, your, your front delt. Then I'll go right in the back day on the next day with biceps, maybe throw a little abs in there. Um, then it's more of a overall shoulder day. And arms and abs again. And then I hit leg day, uh, like like an absolute animal. Um, and then you know, usually it's a little break, but even on my break days, I, I just if I don't go to the gym, I just feel like I I'm I'm just empty inside. Even if it's going to the gym doing the stairmaster or or doing lightweight just to get loose, just to keep the blood flowing. Um, that's kind of how my week works out. And then, you know, after that rest day or or low impact day it's right back into the to the routine where it's you know chest tries back buys shoulders and then legs how much cardio so for me i am one of those where cardio i don't do a lot of um you know when i when i'm cutting which i'm just now getting into the bulk and cutting thing i I haven't perfected that yet but during the summer you typically cut to show the muscle that you built uh over the winter months where, where you know you're covered up um you'll do I, I do about stairs or some kind of cardio three times a week if that um i just have a body where if i am going if i'm doing a lot of cardio my metabolism is so high i'm just i'm not going to be able to gain muscle my, my body's going to start just deteriorating and taking away the muscle that i'm trying to build so I don't have to do a lot of cardio. I, uh, I like to be more aesthetic, so I do a lot of compound lifts to, to build you know, lean muscle.
1: Did you jump that CrossFit thing at all?
2: Um, not really, no. Um, you know, what I used to do, I, I, I like the Olympic style lifting. I, I, I haven't done much of it uh, in the past couple of years, but in high school, you know, your you're cleans, your you're jerks, stuff like that. I love that. But as far as CrossFit, no, I I never got into that. I did a TKO boxing class, which I absolutely loved, but it kind of threw my workout rhythm off. So I cut back on that. But one thing I do want to do is get back into boxing. I think everybody should do boxing classes, you know, Saturday morning. It's an absolutely incredible workout. You learn a thing or two about how to defend yourself. And sometimes it's just fun to beat the living shit out of a bag.
1: Yeah, so seven days? Do you, are you seven days a week?
2: Um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll have a rest day here and there, but typically, yeah, I go eight, nine, ten days in a row. Like I said, after four days of heavy lifting, I'll take a day where I'm not, you know, bench pressing or anything, but I'm doing just push-ups or dips, something just to keep the blood flowing so I don't get tight, but I'm not destroying my muscle like I did on a normal chest day um you know obviously the rest days are very important you need to let your muscles essentially breathe and recover so you can progressively overload um but i for me man just sitting on a yeah just not going in on a day i just i don't i just don't like it i feel like i'm missing something in my day so if i go in on a rest day it's very light
1: yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Just recently, so obviously I started getting myself back into shape over the last two years. I, I went from 5'11 two, uh, at 220 to 5'11 at, recently weighed in last week at 158. Now, I will tell you it's a drastic cut. I changed a lot of things in that.
2: Wow, nice job, Todd. Yeah,
1: thank you very much. Um, But I'm very heavy cardio, and I'll explain to you why. So. With me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm diagnosed and guaranteed to have attention deficit disorder. There's no question about it. My mind, and it's just, and that's, you'll find that a lot of entrepreneurs have attention deficit disorder. We're, we, yeah. we are I'm, way more tapped into our creative brain than we are tapped into um, the, uh, I would say, educational side or whatever it is, whatever you yeah. want to call it. So we I have to have was a was
2: diagnosed with ADHD as the day I was born, so. Oh, <laughs> hands down. I, I'm
1: So for me, because I've got a, I've got a life. I mean, Jared, you follow me on social media. I'm all over the goddamn place all day, right? I mean, I'm moving. So for me, when I go to the gym, the first thing that I do is I get on the treadmill and I run, man, and I run and I run and run. I'm typically, I'll run anywhere between two and a half to three miles a day, which anybody, doctors, physical therapists, trainers, they will all tell you, that that's not good. However, for my mental clarity, me running like that every single day yep. helps me, helps me so much it's not even funny from a standpoint of mental health. But recently, in the last couple months, I have started giving myself rest days cuz before I wouldn't take a rest day, man, at all. But I hit 40. <laughs> and the- well, bro, I, the three days before I hit 40, dude, my knee started hurting.
2: Yeah, uh, that's that's the problem with running like that is, you know, it's, it's a lot of strain on the body.
1: It is. So, I, I've recently, I've given myself like a day or this week, actually, it's been two days. And, um, you know, when you lose that much weight, right, that you're, you start to focus on, you become very self-conscious, right? Yeah, and so the little things okay will definitely you'll go oh man that's because i took a day off right immediately you're going to start blaming the day off when the reality is is that your body's actually look it looks better after that break day to be honest with you whether it's just running or lifting or whatever it is it looks better it's just our own perspective of what we see ourselves so i've been really trying to be cognizant of going all right, from self awareness standpoint, to give myself that break day to go, the body still needs to rest. People don't realize that, right?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, it's 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 funny if you when you kind of start to get into this fitness thing and you really dive into it, you are never going to be satisfied if you really get past the point of seeing it as a chore rather than an opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those little changes, even you know when you get to the point, even where I'm at, like, I'm not satisfied. I can tell when I take a day off, my body looks different the next day versus going three, four days in a row. So yeah, you're very, you're very self-aware and, and you notice the little things about the changes, whether it's on the, on the good side or the bad side of what your body is doing.
1: Yeah. And my, so my trainer came up to me the other, uh, I guess it was probably a month ago. And he said, you know, Hey, he's like, I'm no, dude, you're going to the same you're doing the same stuff over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And he goes, I want you to do this, 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 and this instead, but also do the other stuff. And so I added this stuff in, right? Yeah. Dude, a week and a half later, I'm looking at my body going, what the, fuck? where did that come from? Where'd yeah. that muscle come from? Where'd that muscle, and right? And he came to me, he's like, dude, how you feel? Like, bro, I look fucking spectacular. I love it. And it was for me at 40, even though I don't drink, I haven't had a drink in five years. Um, the, for me that the core, my body, my core, right. I have those, I have a four pack, right. Easily. Yeah. No question. But that bottom two has been my, has been hard for me. Right. It's just, a, it's just straight down. And maybe it's my body, the way that it's set up. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the last two have, of the six pack have been very, very difficult for me to get. And then within the last like couple, I was, I guess it's like four or five weeks, man. Um, it's starting to come out and I'm like, Oh shit. It was, it was what I was doing. You know, it's like, I had, I had it all there. I had everything in play. He was like, dude, it won't take you long. He's like, you just need to do these types of exercises and it's done. And that's what happened.
2: And this is disclaimer. I'm not certified personal trainer. I'm not a professional in any kind of manner, but I do read professional, you know, articles or blogs. And the funny thing is everybody has abdomens. Everybody has abdomens. Now, not everybody is going to have the ability to get an 8 pack. There's guys out there with 12 packs. The majority of the population is not going to have that. It comes down to just how your abs are set up. Some people have if you if you've seen kind of like the offset abs where where it looks like it kind of just diagonal shoots, you know, across the 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 their abdomens. everybody's different, but what it comes down to is like, like you said, when you switch things up, different things started to happen. A lot of times people hit this plateau or they get comfortable and they just have too much of a routine where they're struggling to see results. But all it is is just tweak one or two things. And all of a sudden one or two things start to happen that weren't happening before with your body.
1: Yeah. And that's why I always say, one, if you're going to go, if you guys are going to go to the gym and you're really going to take this seriously, one, I,
2: I, I highly,
1: highly, highly recommend getting in touch with a professional and having someone work with you because here's the deal. You might look at it like, oh my God, I can't afford them this. Look, you, you want the results. If you're going to put in the work and you want the results, then get someone to work with you that knows what they're doing and can look at your body, that's trained to look at your body and go, this particular workout is going to work best for you to get you the best results that you want. And I'm admittedly not a professional either. I did a damn good job for myself, admittedly, um, without a trainer in the very beginning. But like you said, plateauing, dude, 100%, no question about it. 60 days ago, I plateaued. Yeah, There was nothing in my body that was changing until I started changing more more of those workouts.
2: Yeah, and it's hard to know when you are in a plateau. It's hard to kind of admit that, shit, I'm not getting any better, but I'm putting in the work. What? Well, like, what's going on here? Right. Um, it's, it's little things. You know, it's, it's progressive overload, doing drop sets or throwing in cardio, whatever it may be. It, it doesn't have to be, I was heavyweight lifting, now I'm just running. It doesn't have to be drastic like that. It's just the the smallest tweaks w- your body or your body's going to react to.
1: Yeah, and the and when I say and I, I'm going to use the word diet, but I don't mean like a diet. I'm talking about like what you put in your body, dude, has a massive effect on what is going to happen to you in the gym.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that's where you know. Uh, and again, I'm not a I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist, but I have done this for long enough that I understand it. I hate the word diet. God, the word diet is a temporary change in in your consumption of nutrition. You, people that want to really see their body change, you have to adapt simply eating clean first to start. Means cutting out fast food. I haven't had fast food in probably five years. McDonald's. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm around the same thing, dude. It's been at least three years since I've had fast food. You know,
2: I don't view it as real food. I like, I would rather buy a two-pack of chicken breast, throw it on the skillet, steam up some broccoli, and eat that and be full for, you know, longer and feel better. Um, a lot of people, you know, think that, man, I, I've been doing this gym thing, but eating McDonald's. Like, it, it, they say, you know, the hardest part of getting in shape and your fitness and, and nutrition life is is the food you you know there my fitness pal is a great app if you want to get into you know macros and stuff but that's for down the line T- to just start cut out a few things you know instead of having waffles for for breakfast do egg whites and turkey bacon and watch just how good you feel, and how more the yeah, the nutrition is just gonna melt away most of the body fat that you have. You throw in a good routine of of going to the gym, and you're gonna see insane results.
1: Yeah, what you just mentioned, by the way, the egg whites and the turkey bacon, fucking is my go-to. Oh. But what I I am a big um so one of my boys who actually owns a protein bar. His name's Craig. He started this protein. Protein bar company called MVP Protein Bars. They're act, they're actually awesome, dude. I should put you in touch with him because yeah, he'll, he'll hook you up. Um, this uh, they're great they're great bars. This guy's a hell hell of a uh, weightlifter, and he said to me the other day, he was like, "Dude, I know you're not a vegan." And I'm like, "No, I'm not a vegan. And I don't have anything against vegans. I like vegetables. I'm just I like meat too." Yeah. At the end of the day, he was like, "Dude, try these turkey patties that are made by and I can't remember the name of it, but they're vegetarian." turkey no they're like vegetarian patties they're sausage whatever man they're so good and like it's all and we were going back and forth about it and i was like yeah man i was like that's cool i said but here's where people get mixed up right they see that it's vegetarian they don't see the chemicals that are put into that food they just say they they see vegetarian. They think it's automatically healthy. When you say eat clean, you mean clean.
2: Yeah, I mean just cutting out like fried foods, fast food, just stuff that is packed with artificial flavors and additives and all this other bullshit. Um, yeah, you, know, you you've seen the thing with McDonald's. You have a you have a McDonald's burger that has sat for years, and bacteria has not eaten it. There's not a bit of mold on it. If bacteria doesn't see it as food, why would you see it as food?
1: So, that's a great point.
2: That's, and that, that is real. I saw that one day and was just like, oh my God. Like, I don't know about you, like anybody else, but you, you know, I, I ate Taco Bell and shit in high school, you know, after. Hands smoking, down. After smoking, you know, you get the munch, whatever. Um, but I was hungry an hour later because you're, it's not packed with nutrients that are going to feed your body. You're simply putting something in your stomach to suppress your appetite but it's not actually feeding yourself that's that's where i got away from the fast food and the fried food and when i say eat clean i mean you know turkey burgers turkey their chicken breasts um stuff that you just you know and, and very green a lot of i, I personally love broccoli love ste- love steamed broccoli that's my go-to um you're this- not going to
1: find a better protein on the planet than broccoli
2: Right. I mean, it's just, it's so, and you can eat as much, you basically can eat as much of it as you want and you're still going to see results and you're going to feel good. You are, you're going to feel fantastic rather than eating, you know, um, you know, a burger and fries.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more about that. So when it comes to uh, going to the gym and then you obviously, do you put any thought into the process of like,
2: what you wear at the gym?
1: Or oh, you absolutely. Uh, you do? Okay, cool.
2: Absolutely. So my whole mentality for as long as I can remember has been look good, feel good. No doubt. And, you know, people say, oh, it's materialistic, it's superficial. I say, you don't know me, so fuck off. <laughs> I like to look good because when I look good, I can walk with a sense of, you know, I just, I like it. That's that's it, it's a completely an individual thing, but yeah, for me, I color coordinate. You won't ever catch me wearing like red shorts with a blue top.
1: Mixing and brands. What? You're not mixing brands either, are you?
2: Um, I am just because. Come on, man. It's the gym, man. And to be honest, what I actually got into right now is just taking old T-shirts, cutting the, the just the sleeve off, and rocking those. I don't need to go buy a a $60, you know, dry fit tee when I, I have shirts that I can just, you know, wear and create my own, just, you know, saving a penny or two on my end. Um, but I try not to, I do try not to. Um, but I I also think it's funny when, you know, you have 17 articles of Nike on, you just, you look like nike threw up on you so it I
1: it looks like the wayne's world at, wayne's world too when wayne and garth are uh saying that they don't want to take on sponsors and they're starting to dress up and do all that stuff and garson the, all the reebok gear on them yeah man i got guys at the gym that are like that bro
2: yeah and i think you know you, there's a balance there's always a balance with everything you know i sound like thanos right now i'm a big marvel guy but it's a you, you gotta find the right balance you know too much too little for me, it's just you know, if I if it, I'm not gonna let wearing an Under Armour shirt and Nike shorts that that's all I got stop me from going to the gym. Right. I'm gonna suck that up. It's still gonna be lime green black shorts, uh, black socks, black leggings. You know, the athletic leggings. Still gonna look like I put it together, like I took time. Uh, but yeah, it's not gonna be just head to toe Under Armour, head to toe Nike, whatever whatever brand you're into.
1: You know what's uh, funny about those leggings?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, for me, I wear those to the gym. have a oh, dude. I can't even tell you how many of those I have. And yeah. people uh, like, I, dude, I don't wear those. Honestly, I don't wear those because of style. Uh, dude, I'm a uh, I'm a huge. Per, I don't wear like underwear at all. Just so you listeners, guys, know that side <laughs> note, dude. I don't wear underwear. I don't own one piece of underwear. Not at all. I was
2: unaware of that. So. Yeah. Now everybody knows, dude. I I free ball it
1: for like life, oh, like yeah, dude. So here's the funny thing: that those leggings are my support system for when I run so much. Yeah, it's guaranteed for me. I have to have those on.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, it holds everything in place. For, no question for most people, and you know, um, and for me, I just I, I played football in, in, in high school, and it's just a comfort thing. I just. Yeah. I like to have that cover because you know when you're doing leg day or you're doing certain things your shorts are going to come up no one wants to see a pale hairy thigh I just I like to have the leggings on one because I think they look badass I love the the extended leg look with the break from the ankle or the mid mid calf uh down to the shoe I, I just like that overall look I feel like I'm in the NBA so I I mentally am like I'm on a train like I'm in the nba i'm gonna take my workout to the next level so that's why that's where i you know the leggings to me are just i always have to have them on
1: yeah and and the funny thing is too is to, you know we're both of us are people that go to the gym in the in the winter time i'm i you know for me i can't run outside so I'm, i mean i just can't do it for some reason i don't know why but regardless of that i go in the winter time so the, the extended leg ones are even better because when you go a gym a gym is typically very very cold
2: yeah,
1: you know. So based on that too, it's a it's a great standpoint. But I, I'm a, I'm glad, I'm very happy that it's a fashion that was accepted into the guy side because typically for a very long time it was a, it was more for women. And you know, yeah. thank, thanks thanks to the to the NFL and NBA players out there that you know put it on the map and were like, yeah, no, dudes can wear this too. It's all good. Jordan Christ, Jordan wore them back. They were only thigh highs back then, dude. Right. But remember, he would wear them when he played for the Bulls. When he did that everybody
2: wore exactly i mean why wouldn't you i mean it's, it's dude if michael
1: jordan wears him you gotta wear him
2: you know i mean i don't care i don't care what he's wearing if you know the one earring people started wearing one earring
1: you no know, question about it bro so so that kind of just leads me into the whole fashion thing right because you were because you, you use fashion in the gym what about like you get home from the gym you take a shower taylor's like bugging you she doesn't want to sit and watch uh uh she doesn't want to go to the movies and watch um uh the new Spider-Man movie, which I just yeah. went and saw. It was badass, by the way, oh, if you haven't seen it. It's
2: such a good movie. Go we'll see it. We'll talk about man. that in a second.
1: She wants to go out. Tell me about, like, just going out on the town, man. Throw throw an outfit together for me.
2: Man, so it, it really depends. I mean, I I like more of a simple look. I'd say, I, and realistically, I don't have just a definitive look. I, I can wear plain long tees, you know, the, the fashionable ones I can wear. Uh, Hawaiian shirts are my favorite. I just, I think they're just honestly a little goofy, but they're, I, I like to say that they say I, I, I'm professional, but I'm here to party. You know, it's a button up, it's a collar. You're like a mullet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you, you just can't go wrong with it in my eyes. I'm a big Hawaiian shirt uh, fan um but it, and it's it's for me living in Indiana my style changes season to season so there, you know we have about four seasons you can't wear what you have in the summer in the winter Does it's just not gonna work so it really depends during the summer I love wearing shorts I my shorts will never touch my kneecaps they will never go anywhere near that they will always show a little thigh typically because I work out I have quads I want people to see them um you know a, a go-to shoe of mine is are are vans the classic the old the old original classics they're simple they're affordable they go with everything um and for shirts it it really depends you know do I want to if we're going to the movies I'll throw a t-shirt on if we're going to dinner I'll throw a Hawaiian pattern button-up or or a you know polo button-up something like that um and then Extending off that, just, you know, always throwing something on my wrist, always have a watch on. And I typically have a few accessories, you know, some bracelets or something on, uh, just to accent the colors and the, the outfit that I'm wearing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, one of the things that you mentioned there is like my go-to is like Vans for me,
2: like it's pretty much the
1: only shoe that I wear. Um, that, that's almost kind of like become, I guess like kind of like my thing where Um, I've collected I have so many pairs of vans now that it's a it's it's become a serious issue in fact I've had to get rid of some because quite honestly I have some that I haven't even worn yet that's how you know you have a problem when you have shoes that you haven't even worn yet
2: absolutely um I have shoes yeah i big Yeezy fan um, not for the height but I personally just love the look and how they fit my foot and, and just I can do a lot of things with the, the look of the 350s I, I think of what they are
1: dude so, how did the 350s feel by the way
2: um just like a sock man they're just really slide on I'm a big sock fit guy yeah you know, I don't like to tie my shoes I want to slip them on and, and go I don't want to have to tie and untie you know for me it's all about let's go and it's just a waste of time for me um, but yeah I have Yeezys that I've worn maybe two times in the past couple years and people are like man you just spent 200 bucks on those like are you kidding me you don't even wear them and I'm like well I just kind of like I, I've always been into shoes and I like to have them on, on my shelf but with bands they're affordable they look great you can go out and trash a white pair if you want and you turn around and you 50 bucks and you can have a brand new pair that are, that are sparkling white. So,
1: so what I like here, dude, I don't know if you guys have a Vans outlet, but there's a Vans. So Maryland is very close to Delaware. And for anybody listening, if you guys want to save some cash, this is what you need to do. Find a Vans outlet. Every Vans shoe outlet has buy one, get one half off. Not the store. You got to go to the outlet. So in Delaware, okay, there's a Vans outlet. Every time that I'm, and it's about two hours from us. So anytime that I'm down in that area, because we have clients down there i'll stop in that store now one of the cool things about delaware is you don't pay a sales tax oh. so i can go in so what i do is i go into the bands outlet i go all the way to the back of the store by the way if you guys are shopping in outlets always go to the back of the store and start in the back and move yourself up front in the back is where they have the sale items that are below the outlet store pricing so go all the way to the back of those stores Look at the discount section, and then you can pick two pairs of shoes there. You buy one pair that could be like a badass pair for 60 bucks, that's on sale for let's say 49 bucks, and buy one pair that's even more badass, that's on sale for 20 bucks, and the lowest price when you're gonna get half off. So now you're walking out with two pairs of shoes for the price of one, and you didn't pay any tax. So, do that if you wanna buy Vans. That's how I've accumulated so many Vans, by the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, people in LA probably aren't gonna do it, but absolutely if you're in if you're in the area, take advantage of what's in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah, go do that.
1: Well as far I've- as fashion goes now, bro, I, I you know, I, I think the thought process has become you know, there's things that became fashionable throughout At least the time that I was growing up, man, I mean, like for a while there, the the Von Dutch hats were really, you know, they were on fire, man. Like you had to pay like 120 bucks for a mesh Von Dutch hat. Now you can get them for five bucks. Like they're fads, right? I think now, I think now the world kind of has woken up to the fact, or at least in my eyes, that it's not about the brand so much as it is the look that you're trying to go for. People don't really put a lot of weight into brands anymore. And I think that's,
0: yeah.
1: quite honestly, man, I think that's hurt a lot of brands like, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch and, and brands like that where, yeah. you know, people cared a lot about that brand and it's just not carrying any weight. Actually, look at Champion, dude. It's a perfect example of this. Oh,
2: my God.
1: We've Champion's on fucking fire, dude.
2: You used to buy a, buy a sweatshirt for, for 10 bucks at Walmart. Now they're, now they're $60, $70. I've seen champion sweatshirts at 90 bucks. Like it's it's absolutely insane.
1: Sometimes it just takes one person to make shit like super cool again. And what yeah. people don't realize is like a lot of the shit that was cool in the 90s. So like I'm 40. So like when I was growing up, like in school, like hip was like hill figure and yeah. um what else, man? Like Fiela was Fiela was pretty like Fiela had a Fiela tech line that was really, really good. All these brands, man, that were like hip in the '90s, are all coming back now. To and and like, quite honestly, I'm not joking around with you. I saw Champion in Dicks the other day next to Under Armour, and Champion shit was more expensive than Under Armour.
2: Yeah, I think we like this kind of a new vintage. It, it's yes, love and the it, '90s look, but not maybe the '90s fit. So we're taking the look making it fit nice cut to to our to our style and our body and it's it's this new vintage thing and i absolutely love it i just i hope it continues i just hope to god we never revert back to the early 2000s where everybody's wearing extra extra large everything because that was uh that was a nightmare
1: don't we, count it out dude Jenko jeans is still around I or not. that it's- fucking company's still around bro
2: Crazy, but yeah, I'm a big Tommy fan, Tommy Hilfiger. um, I haven't gotten into Fila yet, Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look at Champion, and it's prime example, and you said it best, man. It just takes one or two people to to rock it, to give somebody inspiration, and then it blows up. It's like when Lil Wayne um, in the 2000s wore like red low-cut Chucks chucks flooded my high school that's all anybody wanted to wear um and it's just that it, it's that wave and chucks has been iconic it's been chuck taylor's been around forever it's not going anywhere but he you know Lil wayne put it out there and it it just made this massive wave uh, of fashion go through
1: well dude that was like when kanye when he first came out and he was wearing polo she, uh, polo shirts yeah but, but it was polo it was the polo branded polo shirt and polar sales skyrocketed.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely know?
1: incredible. I, so I wrote a blog on that, believe it or not. I call it nostalgia marketing. So so what you're doing or what the brand is doing, if they're smart, they know that the prime buyer right now, the person with money, the parent with money is, 40, is, is between 35 and 40 years old. So what you do if you're a company like this is you revert back to what you were doing in that era and you bring it back to this era and you apply that and sell that product to parents. And that's kind of what's happening right now. And, and a lot of people don't realize it, but I call it nostalgia marketing. It's very, It's a very, very smart play on a lot of things. And if you look around for a second, if you just stop and look around, what you'll find is a lot of nostalgia marketing is happening right now. A lot of people are tapping into what was cool back then. And, and you're finding it now. And now streaming TV has made it even easier because you can go on Hulu and you can watch, fuck man, Knight Rider, The Fall Guy. I mean, all these types of things that are now, they're becoming cool again, man. Because our kids don't have shit like that. Yeah. Like they just don't.
2: Yeah, and it make, I think it makes it easier for the parents to buy too because they, they relate to it. You know, it's not something new that they don't understand like the kid wants, like a Nintendo Switch. The, the kid wants a champion sweatshirt and the parents are looking like shit. I rock champion. I like champion. Absolutely. You're, yeah. It, it it it's a good segue to get the parent to understand what they're buying for their kids.
1: There's no question about it, dude. Because I mean, it's a super, super, super smart marketing play. So yeah. that's cool, man. Because so I mean, and fashion's really, really big to you. I know that because so like when I follow you, you wear a lot of. I mean, with you. You wear a lot of branded stuff. I know you love bands. I know that you love Ray-Ban sunglasses. That's like your go-to sunglass. I know that, you know, the wine shirt is like your thing, which I, which I have a couple actually that I like. I like them cut smaller, obviously. Like I like all my stuff cut smaller it is what it is. You can like it, not like it. I don't really care. I like the way it looks on me. Um, is there any brands that you're foreseeing? Because I know you said you hadn't tried Philly. Is there? Give me like three brands that you think are going to pop hot again within like the next maybe three to six months
2: that's tough i, I think puma i think puma is going to make a big push they're signing and why i say it is they're they're getting into the nba market and as soon as you get these big nba guys that the the younger generations are just looking up to you know zion williamson if he signs with puma boom it that puma is gonna their sales are gonna skyrocket so I, I i keep an eye on puma right now um Man, I really haven't given a lot of thought to that, honestly. I, uh, I think, obviously, Tommy Hilfiger has already kind of made its comeback, and I think it's just going to continue. And Champion's another clear one that has really come back. But uh, I'd have to do a little research as, as to what, what are going to come up. And, and it's weird, because I'm in a market. You know, I, I grew up in Indiana, from Indianapolis. It is not a progressive um, area. Yeah. No, not at it's all. It's very set in its ways. There's a lot of hitches and hiccups on moving forward. Um, you know, so I'm sure I would have a completely different answer if I was living in New York, Chicago, or L.A., where the trends and everything, if you don't catch it as soon as it or before it gets hot, you've missed it. Um, if I, yeah, if I was in LA, I'm sure I would have a completely different answer and give you three on the spot that, Hey, check them out right now. Um, so that's, I'd say that's the best answer I can give you.
1: No, that's good, man. I mean, I appreciate it because what I found was kind of, um, what I found was interesting. So Vayner, you know, how Vaynerchuk chose K-Swiss to do a shoe.
2: Oh man, I love Gary.
1: And I, you know, I thought it was very, I thought that was such a smart play by him. Because in my head, I know how, I kind of know how his head works a little bit from a business standpoint. And I know what he probably did. He probably said, here's the deal. Instead of me doing a shoe with Nike or Reebok or somebody like that, because I guarantee you they approached him. Oh yeah. 100%. He probably said, you know what? I'm going to go to K-Swiss and I'm going to say, here's the deal. I want a portion of your company. I want a big portion of your company. And I'm gonna do my shoes through you. Cause I guarantee you his smart play is eventually he's gonna buy that company. Really? Oh, hands down, bro. Hands down. Because what I what I guarantee you is probably they haven't even talked about this yet, because it's just his shoe that's out. I guarantee you there's gonna be a D Rock shoe.
2: Oh yeah, D Rock. Okay.
1: So mark my words as of right and I know I I, I talked to D Rock and I actually talk on Instagram. I will. I will tell you this right now. Mark my words. At one nineteen on July eighteenth, Eastern Standard Time, when that D Rock shoe drops, know that I called that shot.
2: All right, you've. Heard, I've heard it. Everybody. Sure. He didn't.
1: Thank you. He you didn't that. say anything to me about it, but I guarantee you, if that D Rock shoe drops, I bet you that D Rock shoe will outsell any of his, any of Gary's shoes that he's put up yet. And the most recent one is his most badass one yet, by the way.
2: Yeah, I've seen them. I haven't um, gotten the chance to actually get one for myself, but I do want one. Um, I think I think Gary's absolutely uh, – I, I, I don't get how he does it. I'd love to sit down and pick his brain one day. But dude's absolutely a genius. And I think the way I would see his move going to K-Swiss is, you know, why go to Nike when Nike has hundreds of big names? You just kind of get lost in the fold. You go to K-Swiss, you are the big name with them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, he said it best the other day. He when when they zig, I zag. Instead of doing the old face challenge or the you know old age challenge, he he did the, he did a younger face on his Instagram. Yeah, I just thought it was it was so funny. You know, him and his team came up with that, and it just makes sense. When 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 people zig, you zag, and you're gonna you know people are gonna follow a trend, and you're just gonna catch catch a different wave that no one's seen coming.
1: Are you on TikTok yet?
2: I'm not. That is something, again, Gary got me. I'm going to have to get on it. I just... Get
1: on it, dude. I, I'm ta- I'm on it, dude. I love it. It's... it's. It, a, for, let me give you a couple of reasons why I like it. One, I like it from a standpoint that it's a completely different... It's very easy to use. It's a completely different creative standpoint in, in the delivery of the content. It, yeah. it is very much from a a copy and context standpoint like Twitter you only have a minimum amount of characters so it's really more about the content than it is about the copy yeah. and and you have the the you have the the ability to invest into a market that is untapped right now but will be very very tapped in about 5 to 10 years So, like, if you go to, yeah, dude, listen to this. If you go to TikTok and you type in hashtag reputation management, I'm, like, the only fucking thing you see. Oh, man. So, that being said, in 5 to 10 years, if I'm putting TikToks out every day using the hashtag reputation management, in 5 to 10 years in TikTok, let's say, either A is still around or B is bought out by Facebook. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude, you don't think that's going to pay dividends in 5 to 10 years?
2: No, it absolutely will. You know, you, you look at, you know, the, the generation under me and even under them, that's, that's the future market. If you're not figuring out how to get their attention, you're going to fade. You're going to miss that. And that's, you know, I think, you know, you're, you're on there for, you know, getting dividends in 10 to 15 years. Gary said it too, man. He's not selling wine to these six, seven year olds yet when they turn 21 and they've been following him on tiktok for a decade or more probably two decades whatever you know then he's going to be selling them wide easily that, that is easily you know don't he, yeah don't talk to me about next year talk to me about 2030 you know, yeah you gonna do that he
1: says point? that he says that i mean there's no question about it at the at the other f- interesting thing is um you, when, you, when you load the content, you have the ability to connect your, first of all, you have the ability on your profile to connect your Instagram and your YouTube account, which I really, really like. Two, you can, when you upload a TikTok, you can immediately also share that same TikTok and it will open up Instagram stories and Snapchat for you to deliver that same TikTok to your stories and your Snapchat. So there's, so here's the deal. There's no reason one you shouldn't be on those platforms. Two, there's no reason why you can't make it very simple and very easy to distribute that content to those three platforms.
2: Yeah, I mean the thing is with all these social media platforms is you have different sets of eyes all over the place. To you got to you got to figure out a way to capture them all. There's people on TikTok that aren't on Twitter. You know, I think the the thing that uh, the younger generation is quitting is Facebook. So if you're Businesses only through Facebook you're in trouble if you're not on TikTok where they are now you're missing out so being able to like you said share it not only on TikTok but Facebook Twitter YouTube whatever Snapchat Instagram yeah you're taking one piece of content and dispersing it over six entities capturing every eye that are individually on each of those
1: yeah, 100. percent And so, like, like I said before, I, I I talk about this quite often, and and I you know I hope people actually listen to it. But at the end of the day, I always say cast a wide net. We've seen Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter go down uh, within five days of each other. Um, if you aren't on at other platforms, then what are you doing? So my you know when people ask me like for a business card, I tell them I'm like, dude, I don't have business cards. Now, in the reality, I do, but I make a joke out of it for them. And sometimes I will give them a business card or sometimes I just want to have them on me. And I go, look, here's the deal, man. If you want to talk, if you want to make this conversation go further, you want to talk more, you can go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, anywhere on the planet that there's a social media platform, YouTube, whatever. Type my name in and you can message me there. Yeah. Which is a hell of a lot better than me handing you a uh, a business card that you're going to use to get spinach out of your teeth two hours from now.
2: <laughs> right, and I think it's pretty impressive for you know people to be able to juggle all of these social medias that they're they're putting content on all of these. I think it's it's wildly more impressive if you can say I'm on all seven or eight of the big ones individually making creative content. Um, while combining content a- across all of them uniformly, but making each of them individually, you know, for that platform.
0: And, yeah. And
2: yeah you're, you're wearing seven hats and it's absolutely incredible.
1: Well, that's why agencies like us are around, right? I mean, yeah. look, you can try to do this by yourself, but at the end of the day, you need help, right? I mean, it's oh, just, yeah. what at the end of the day, either, either A, you, and it's not necessarily an agency, but you need help either with a, a mobile application that makes it easier for you or a distribution software that makes it easier for you to distribute the content, or you actually need someone's help in creating the content. And it's, again, people make it out to be a lot harder than it actually is. It's really about you putting in the time and what you want out of it and having the understanding. I actually just made a Facebook post about that today. I basically just said, unless you're willing to be patient work really 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 hard at it and put a lot of effort into it and then just wait until something actually happens then it's probably not a good idea to even start it so i can tell you to start all the time but at the end of the day if you're not going to put the work in consistently every single day then you know expect it not to happen because it's not going to
2: yeah yeah i mean people are nowadays usually uh Kids just want to, you know. We all want. I think almost anybody under the age of probably forty wants to be a little internet famous. But they don't understand that once you kind of get that lick of fame, the you're working on getting all of this, you know, in all your ducks in a row across all these platforms, day in and day out. You know, it's not just a one and done. And an agency like yours is just it's it's a it's it's a beautiful way to. Simplify while you know working smarter, not just harder. Um, that's why you know me and you are going to work together. Uh, as soon as I get my ducks in a row, um, that you know when we talked, I was absolutely blown away by how you know just insightful you were and how much you guys had to offer. So I think agencies like you guys are you know undeniably something that you, if someone wants to build their platforms that across all the big seven eight however many there are now you guys are just an absolute necessity
1: yeah and i mean the big thing now is personal branding and that's kind of where we are from a standpoint of building out that personal branding package for everybody because that's the thing really sometimes you can do it on your own you just need some guidance and some coaching while you're doing it and if you can and, and if you can do that um, a majority of the, the goal really for personal branding is to really teach someone how to do it on their own and and they can do it on their own. Trust me. It's it's not as difficult and as hard as everybody thinks, but some people don't want to do it on their own and they want someone to do it for them. And, you know, we can make it look like you're doing it on your own. When in the reality is we're sitting behind the scenes, you know, printing it up and making it look better. But at the end of the day, I want to talk about, I always like to throw uh, my, my three things at people. Give me, Obviously, because fashion's a big thing for you. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Give me, give me three things guys are doing right now from a fashion standpoint that they should not be doing, but you're seeing a lot of it.
2: Oh man, um, yeah. I think for me, it's just being comfortable with just jeans and a button-up polo that you got from from Macy's with with boots. I think you can you can mix it up and you know what i did yesterday which i haven't posted this is i had a, I had a yellow you know polo Ralph Lauren button up um but i, I had j crew uh, i think um chinos or i think that, yeah chinos on and i rolled them up past the boot so you saw the full boot and there was a break instead of it just running you know through and down my 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 shoe I think people can, I I just think people are very intimidated in in trying something new and people looking at them like, what are you doing? I think instead of having the tone of what are you doing, they're going to ask you, hey, what are you doing? Like, how'd you, you know, where'd you come up with that look? Um, Another thing I, I, and I used to wear them, Sperry boat shoes, really not a big fan of Sperry's. I just, I think they're just so, uh, you just don't put a lot of effort into them. You just slip them on and, you know, it, I just, I, I'd like a little more effort in trying to get a, a you know, a shoe that goes with the outfit. Um, something else, uh, I would say guys with shorts that are going past your knees. Um, I, and, and there is two short, as well, you know, guys that are, you know, showing seven inches of thigh, I think it's a bit much. Um, for me, guys that are letting the your pants go too big, go too long, i like to see some, you know, class it up, fit it, get shorts that are more fit and cut to your look and your body. Um, and go that direction instead of just ah, oh, these are good and they just they hit mid shin.
1: Dude, you touched on those, and, and I'm glad you brought all that up, because it's very, very interesting. One, shorts that are cool now were sh- the same shorts that were cool in late 80s, early 90s. Yep, okay. shorts,
2: show thigh.
1: No, no question about it. A little bit, little bit of thigh, a little bit of thigh. Yep. The, 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 the fucking Doc Sider Sperry shoe is so played out up here in Maryland, it's 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 friggin' ridiculous. The, uh, every single laxboro in the country – navigates here they see that you wear a t-shirt with socks all the way up to your friggin knees with dock siders on or Sperrys on that look like they belong to your dad 25 years ago they're beat to shit and you're wearing a backwards hat with a fucking mullet sticking out dude i'm telling you right now man like that shit isn't cool and no one thinks it is no one no one thinks that you're cool by not giving a shit or putting any effort into what you look like
2: Yeah, I think it's just taking an easy way out to throw super easy a pastel with a brown short and a dark brown shoe. It's like I don't get it, dude. You can be more unique. Don't be afraid to be more unique. You can your, your the pastel button up, change the shorts to gray and then rock white shoes. You know, I and white shoes have been around forever. They are my favorite thing to wear because I think it just pulls an outfit together. And it accents everything. Especially, it goes
1: with everything.
2: Yeah, everything. And it's never a bad investment. That's why white bands, I, I go, I probably buy a new pair every couple months. Um, one, again, they're affordable. They look great. And, you know, a fresh white pair just says you are a clean motherfucker.
1: I will tell you, do, yeah. do yourself a favor. Toss your bands in the washing machine, white ones, if you've never done that. your Your, your, your ones before you get new ones. And get them out, and then put toothpaste, white toothpaste, all over them. I'm sorry, put the white toothpaste on them first. On
2: them first. Sit,
1: sit them out in the sun.
2: Okay. okay? I've done that before,
1: dude. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not lying to you. Sit them out in the sun for like five hours. Then pick them up and put them into. You can do one of two things. You can either use a toothbrush and the tooth and rub the toothpaste off, and the entire shoe will be fucking spectacular white. Right? Or put them directly into the washing machine and run them through the wash. When you pull them out, they look brand new. Brand yeah, new.
2: That's a great tip, especially, you know, people are trying to save a penny here and there. You know, you don't always have to go buy a new shoe, work with what you got. So that's a great tip.
1: Absolutely. Listen, brother, I can't think, this is not going to be the last time you are being on the show, obviously. But
0: well,
1: I hope not. I, no, I, not at all, man. I, but thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. Because I know, right, I mean, obviously, you're coming off a reality TV show, man, you're super busy. You're answering a lot of DMs from crazy people and all this other type of stuff. It, it means so much to me that you were you're willing to come on and kind of talk about introduce yourself and really kind of let these fans hear, your, not only your fans, but my fans, too, to, to be able to hear you and, and a lot of the cool stuff that you're doing right now. And really, at the end of the day, you're a sure good, dude. And you're trying to help other people, which is is always a good thing. It's good to see people that are on reality TV that, you know, don't come off as assholes because a lot of those guys and girls do.
2: Yeah, man. I, yeah. Shout out to my parents. You know, I, I try try to just be a, a fun gentleman is what I like to say. Um, but yeah, Todd, thank you so much for having me, man. Um, I, I'm looking forward to coming on and, and really talking about some stuff in the future. Um, you know, you got it you got a good head on you and I just I absolutely love having conversations with with people that are you know forward thinking intellectuals.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate that because you know, I I get I've been getting a lot of compliments lately. It was kind of interesting, and I'm just like ah, dude, uh, quite honestly, like growing up with my like from a parenting standpoint, my mom was not like that. She was the least complimenting person in the world, which yeah. is okay, because honestly it made me a lot tougher, but it's always cool when people are like, you're doing a good job. I actually like that. I'm not going to sit here and say that. I don't like it. There's a lot of people like, oh, new dude, I fucking love it when people are saying like, hey, I helped you or this, that or anything else. I love it, man. Thank you for the compliment. Where can people follow you?
2: Yeah. So really, really all my social media, there's no funny name that I, that I have on there. It's very straightforward. It's simply Jared underscore Cooksey, um, or just Jared Cooksey. If you type it in anywhere, um, I should be the first to, to pop up. I hear uh, the name Cooksey just is, is all, almost nowhere. Anytime I tell somebody my last name, they're like, I have never heard that before. So um, I kept it. I kept that uniqueness and just used it. So, um, you know, get me on Instagram, Jared underscore Cooksey, uh, Twitter as well, Snapchat as well. Um, and everybody look for FashFitFun.com to get dialed in here soon. And then look for Jared Cooksey. Uh, Stop chopping, cook on YouTube. Uh, coming soon as well.
1: Yeah, and while you're on Jared's profiles, go follow follow Taylor's too, because uh, I mean, yeah. uh, she I think I think she's an open profile. I can't remember or not, but go give her a follow too, because she's got some really good stuff too. So basically, whatever Jared, if Jared's not putting himself on his Instagram, Taylor will put, Taylor will actually put Jared on um but Taylor's really funny too man so she you yeah. should give them both a follow what's taylor's handle on instagram
2: i think it's tn watson i don't know if there's a 93 on there or not let me you see.
1: better you better check yourself real quick because <laughs> she's gonna listen to this whole show
2: underscore t t watson underscore t watson you
1: should tell her to get rid of that underscore that's whack
2: I know, man. She, she don't listen to me. Todd, you got to tell her that yourself. Are you kidding man, me? Tell
1: her to sign up, bro. she's a I got, her, the I got to with
2: it. her. I'm not trying to get my head bit off. <laughs> I know better.
1: Oh, man. All right, brother. Well, hey, listen, thanks again for coming on. I, I really appreciate it, brother.
2: Hey, absolutely, Todd. Anytime, just uh, just hit me with the DM. Thanks, bro. All right, man. Take it easy.
0: Is, has been a todd collins official production in conjunction with platinum reputations be sure to follow us on facebook and instagram at todd, todd collins, collins official or visit us at www.toddcollinsofficial.com want to be on the show or become a sponsor message us on facebook and tell us why